There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone and welcome to Adweek Presents, where we take a trip through Adweek's archives and unveil our favorite talks from some of the most recognizable names in music, television, sports, and film, sharing their unique approach to marketing that have made them icons in the field. My name is Al Manorino and I am the senior producer of the Adweek Podcast Network. On this week's episode, we are traveling back to November 2021 for Brand Week's Sports Marketing Summit, where this baseball legend is quickly establishing himself as a leading marketer through his Miami-based investment firm that includes dozens of investments in brands like Presidente USA, GoPuff, and Wheels Up, as well as partnerships with MasterCard, Hims and Hers, and Goalie. Join Adweek's chief brand officer, Danny Wright, as you hear from this week's guest on how he builds his portfolio and helps elevate brands through authentic collaborations. So grab your peanuts and Cracker Jacks and head to the virtual dugout as Adweek presents Alex Rodriguez. How are you today, sir? Hey, how are you? Pleasure to meet you. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Um, I love that you didn't go uh, virtual uh, with, with the virtual setting. Uh, you're in your office right now, right? Yeah, I'm at actually I'm at home. Okay, excellent, excellent. And uh, you're down in uh, in uh, in the Florida area, Miami, where we will be doing Brand Week next year in September. So uh, I'm not going to try to commit you to it right now, but you got a standing invitation to come do this event with us. And I know you have a lot to talk about, so we definitely want to welcome you back. Yeah, thank you. I would love to do it live sometime. That'd be great. Fantastic. Um, and quietly kept, uh, I think Jeet's coming too. So maybe we get the band back together. We'll see. Right. But okay. Um, let's get it started, man. I'm, I'm, First of all, I'm just containing my excitement. I'm a big, big fan of yours. Thank you so much for 2009. We don't get there without you. And I know Hideki won the MVP, but you know your contribution in that in that in that um, playoff um, was really an important milestone for you because you know some of the other playoffs, you know, maybe weren't weren't that good. How did it feel to get over that hump? And let's correlate that to how you operate in business. You know, if like, if you have a down moment, you know, how you can overcome those things. So maybe talk a little about that and then relate it to the business. Yeah, thank you, Danny. And, you know, 2009 was really uh, kind of the, the high point of my career. Cause you know, I often get asked, you know what's been the highlight over 25 years. And obviously it was 2009, you lived it with me. Um, and what I learned there was that we were all in from top to bottom. And one of the things that organizations have to be cautious of is the disease of me. And I learned this through Pat Riley, you know, and 
what that basically means in 2009, we had the 80-20 rule, which meant, you know, whether it's Hideki or whether it was Jeter or whether it was Mariano or Pettit or me that I walked, you know, a bunch of times to set up Hideki Matsui, 80-20 rule means that you can do 80% of the work, but you only want 20% of the credit. And that, that's what championship organizations do. In 2010, and I'll come back to 09, the following year, I thought we were going to repeat. But what happened, we were better with more experience, right? And we were diverse in our attack. But we had the disease, disease of me, which means 2080 rule, which all of a sudden, we, we had all the fancy cars in the parking lot. We, we, we lost our blue collar approach. We lost our focus. And what ended up happening is we had an approach that we wanted, we did 20% of the work, but we wanted 80% of the credit. And that's what the disease of me became. And that's why ultimately we couldn't repeat in 2010. But 09 for me was an, a very special year. It was a year where I had struggled in years in the past with trying to break through and having a big postseason. But a lot of it was because I wanted to put the pressure on me to do too much too early. And I finally, Danny, figured out that all I had to do is enjoy the moment. Uh, God gave me this unique talent. And ultimately, as I drove to the ballpark and I drove with Andy Pettit every day to the ballpark, which was very helpful because we had some unbelievable, loving, brotherly, spiritual conversations. And I basically broke it down. If I can do one thing today, just one thing to help my Yankees team win, that's all I need. And what it did, it, it decreased the pressure. It optimized my, my thinking. And all of a sudden, one thing became two and three things. This is one of my favorite quotes from yours. You, you said that Joe Torre gave you some great advice once, and it was think small. And one time you're at the plate and you looked in the dugout and Joe Torre just does like that. And <laughs> when he did that, I'm pretty sure you hit a home run that at bat. So let's, 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 let's unpack that a little bit. And again, bring it back to the business because I now want to pivot to A-Rod Corp. Yeah, you know, Danny, I, I tell this to my team all the time. You know, if, if you're sitting you can, around your- You can take a drink if you want. You know, I'll, I'll do the same. All right, let's, yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay, uh, back to the show. I wish that was a presidente, but it's too early. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. We've got time. So I tell this to my team all the time. And I, what I do is I bring all the lessons and experiences, the highs and the lows from my baseball career, and I bring it over to the boardroom, right? And I always tell my team, if you're sitting around kind of playing on Instagram in your office and, and not being productive, that's on you because there's so much opportunity out there. And you can be on the phone networking, thinking, how do you get these dots to connect? And, you know, one phone call, one lunch, one coffee, one small thing, they lead into big things. And too many times we're just reaching for the moon all the time. And what happens is, is an all or nothing approach. And that doesn't work when you're at the plate is either home run or a strikeout, which I do not like that part of the game today. I like a diverse approach. The Johnny Damon, the Derek Jeter hits, butts, home runs. But you remember the late 90s. It was about doing a lot of things, being a pain in the butt, being gritty as hell. And that's what George Steinbrenner lived for. That's why he called Paul O'Neill the warrior, mm. because the warrior brought it every single day. And I despise in baseball and in business, the all or nothing approach. Hmm. 
no, that's, I mean, and that's great advice. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's so many stats in baseball right now, but uh, one more that I want to call out about you is you also hit 330 and 100, uh, I think eight seasons. And with all of the stats now and all the sabermetrics, look, I, as far as I, I know, there's only one way to win a baseball game. You got to score. And you got to outscore the other team. So when you're throwing up 300, so you're a contact hitter and 30 home runs and 100 RBI, I mean, to me, those are the most important stats. Okay, now I'm going to get off my fanboy. Let's let's talk about A-Rod Corp. So you're doing a lot of investments. You invested in my boy's company. Uh, it's not his. He's the CMO, Lee Applebaum. Uh, Wheels Up, great private aviation company. Uh, talk to me about your investment strategy. What are you looking for? You know, what, what, what are the outcomes here? And when are you going to buy a sports team? Okay, go. <laughs> so uh, two things. So one, we, we closed in the Timberwolves just about a few months ago. So we, we own a basketball team. Oh, perfect. Team. I didn't know that closed. Okay, excellent. That did close. And uh, Mark Laurie came together very quickly. And we're very excited to be in the NBA. I always joke with Magic. Magic played basketball. owns a baseball team. I played baseball and we own a, a basketball team. So that's great. Um, what I like to in investments, you know, I like to stay in my wheel right in my circle of competence. Uh, I really like to invest in what I really know well, what I understand. I like to go narrow and deep, not wide and shallow. Um, you know, Wheels Up is a perfect example of a company that I know well. I know Kenny, the, the CEO and founder very well. I've known him almost back 20 years. And I like to stick to my knitting, right? Whatever I know really well and how can we add value? And we rather make three bets a year than 30 bets but really concentrated and have our team really help move the ball forward and be a great partner to our founders. Excellent. Hey, Alex is taking questions, by the way. So go ahead and put those in the chat. We will try to get to them uh, before we let this young man go. Now, you're also uh, broadcasting and doing a great job. I mean, you, you got you got this Tony Romo thing where it's like, you're going to tell me what happens before it happens. You know, a lot of times mm -hmm. I'll sit there and watch you anticipate every pitch and how to strike this guy out or what his approach is at the plate. How much are you anticipating now in, in business? And you have a lot, you've got a, so much experience in baseball to rely on, but how much anticipation, how much gut is going into the decisions that you're making now? Yeah, you know, I would say that 10 years ago, it was probably 90% gut, in 10% data. And I think today we've probably reversed that. You know, we really concentrate on the data, on track records, and, and we look at, uh, you know, go back a lot in, in history. We kind of study trends. And one example of that is, you know, I've been in the auto business for about 20 years. And about five years ago, I decided, maybe actually six years ago now, I wanted to get out of the auto business. So we, we got rid of uh, and sold our dealerships because we saw a trend, <clears throat> excuse me, of Uber, of young people not wanting to own cars as much anymore. And you and I grew up, we wanted a house, we wanted a pool, uh, we wanted a college education, and we wanted a nice car, right? Today, kids don't want houses or cars. They want to no. own a nap. You could throw a nice girl in there too, but yeah, yeah, all that too. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. But, but I think that's, that's where the difference. So we look at trends and we're trying to be ahead of it. The same thing I have anticipated as a baseball player. If I'm facing Danny, what do you think he's going to throw me on a 1-1 pitch, on a 2-1 pitch? That that kind of algorithm and that experience is really helpful. <laughs> and yeah, in business, <laughs> we try to do the same thing. We were probably a little bit early selling our dealerships, but certainly we think we made the right decision. 
Excellent. Uh, let's talk about some um, <clears throat> of the long-term, maybe environmental sustainability plays uh, that your corporation is, is looking at. Let's talk a little bit about those. Yeah, so one of the investments has been one of the best ones in our portfolio is a company called Petros Pace. And it is a lending vehicle where we lend to real estate companies uh, and we're basically the broker in the middle, but everything is green sufficient. So if you want to, if you own a building and you want to get, you know, green roof, uh, toilets, windows, we're the right place because we're going to make you uh, a loan is going to be cheaper than Mez, but it's going to be very green friendly. And that company's done very well. And we're in the process of exiting that company. Congratulations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, let's talk about some charitable initiatives that I know you're involved in. And, and then I want to kind of pivot it to how can we get uh, baseball, more diversity in, in baseball? There's a huge you know, Latino population there, but you know, more diversity across the board, more people from you know, kind of the inner cities. Now, baseball is tough, right? Like you got a ball and a goal, you're playing basketball, right? You can throw a football around in the park. But, you know, basically, like, you need stuff. You need bases, bats, gloves. Like, you need, and you need, you know, eight, nine people at least. So it's really tough. So let's talk about some charity initiatives, and then let's talk about, you know, how we're going to increase uh, diversity in, in, our, in both of our favorite sports. Yeah, Warren Buffett taught me early on that, you know, the best thing you can do um, is give back. Um, but give back can become a real pain in the butt because when you have capital, you're going to have everybody coming at you. And he basically said, why not take a proactive approach, find the best people in the world that are the best at giving back, and then really go narrow and deep there. I've chosen two organizations, the Boys and Girls Club and the University of Miami. And both played a very big impact in my career. And then I do a lot of work on financial literacy because my mother had two jobs. Uh, my mother uh, served tables at night, uh, was a secretary in the morning, and basically, Danny, our bank was our, our mattress. I remember after she would come home, after uh, being a waiter every night, she would have her envelope. I would help her count her money. And literally, I would help her pick up the mattress and put that envelope cash under the mattress. And, and what that taught me early on is that education, knowledge is power. And we have to educate the next generation. Just like I was hooked with baseball at the Boys and Girls Club, we have to hook the young kids on how to invest and how to protect their money, and more importantly, how to grow their capital. Are you seeing that trend a lot more now with the younger athletes that are, you know, some of them getting huge contracts? 
you know, it's, it's the saddest story when you see former athletes and then it's like, but you don't have any money left. Like what happened? Are you seeing more of a trend now? And, and, and how actively are you involved in, in, in helping the young kids? You do a lot of work with the young Yankees and, and that's also greatly appreciated. Well, I mentor a lot of players um, and especially baseball and, and football guys um, and our guys, obviously with the Timberwolves in Minnesota, but um, I, I've seen a, a trend that's improving. I, I think about, you know, back 30, 40 years ago, it was the Arnold Palmer, the Greg Norman, and then led to my hero, Magic Johnson, uh, one of my mentors and great friend. And, and now LeBron and, and Kobe started that all as well. So now you have a, a group of athletes that want to be more than just players. They want to be smart investors. They want to be smart marketers. But, but I think the number one thing you have to do to improve this uh, data of players, this negative trend of players running into financial uh, challenges post-playing is you have to have the business managers aligned with the player. So in simple terms, Danny, if you come to me, $5 million to your name, I shouldn't make a dollar of the $5 million. I should make 1% of everything after $5 million because then I am aligned with you to help you grow and protect your capital. If you're coming to me with five, I really shouldn't, I had nothing to do with you having $5 million. My job is to take you from five to 50 and then that $45 million delta, that's where I should participate. Mm. I got about $5, so I'll give you that. And then you and that I works. will go from there. All right, cool. Uh, okay, so uh, first off, um, how are your daughters, man? My daughters are doing great. Uh, I'm, I cannot believe Natasha and Ella, thir 13 and 16, mm. and I'm taking my 16-year-old to Michigan for her first college visit to watch Michigan against Ohio State. Oh, she wants to be blue? He wants to be blue. Oh boy. Okay. That's stepping into a big rivalry, which, you know, no stranger to you. Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's go back to baseball a little bit. Just, I'd love to pull out a couple of your like most favorite moments, you know, I, world series aside, of course that's there, but just as your career progressed, you started with the Mariners, you went to Texas, got a giant contract. I think the biggest at the time than the Yankees, I think the biggest at the time. So along that journey, like, maybe pull out some of your favorite moments and they didn't, they don't even have to be on the field. They could be off the field, like in the, in the, in the dugout or locker room. They have to do with two African-Americans. And, and it's one of the reasons why we got to get the African-American community back in baseball. Cause one of the best, you know, world's best athletes are our own, our own. Right. And we have to lean into that. Um, so for me, it was having the privilege to come out and learn under our Michael Jordan, a guy by the name of Ken Griffey Jr., when I arrived in Seattle, I was only 18. He was 24. He was the best player in the world. It didn't matter if we were in the Pacific Northwest in, in Seattle. He was Michael Jordan. He was the face of baseball. He was, he was fun. He had a beautiful smile. He was baseball royalty with his father, Ken Griffey Sr. And, and what I loved is that he was campaigning for the Gatorades, the Nikes. He had all the commercials. And it didn't matter that we were in Seattle. So I thought in many ways, Griffey pioneered. The second guy is, is another one of my heroes, uh, Willie Mays. And I was uh, late in my career. Uh, I came in to pinch it against the Red Sox. I had a 3-0 count. You know, Girardi gave me the green light. And I tied um, one of my heroes, Willie Mays, with 660 home runs. Uh, I remember you know, tearing up after the game with Susan Waldman on the field. Uh, and again, I think to your point, it was so valid. When I came into the game in 1994, it seemed like we had over 20% African-Americans. Today is sub five. So we got to get those numbers back. We got to get it back in the inner cities. And one idea is to bring back 
you know, great entertainers, the Drakes, the Jay-Zs, get them involved. There are now in other leagues, you know, Jay-Z is very involved with the NFL, with the halftime show. Drake's a huge basketball fan. So one of the biggest moments, you remember this, in 2009, uh, before game two, Jay-Z and Alicia Keys killed it before the first pitch. Crushed. 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 And to this moment, that's one of the big moments of my career, having entertainment and sports come together. Mm-hmm. Baseball was a big winner that night. Yeah, I just, that song gave me chills when they did it, too. Uh, and obviously, it, it has some good effects. Um, so, Alex, some questions are pouring in. Um, you mind if we go to a couple? Let's do it. All right. I just want to screen them real quick. Uh, okay. So Mia DeSano wants to know, how do you use your personal brand as a former athlete uh, with your business at A-Rod Corp? So are you able to leverage your celebrity as, an, uh, as not just an athlete, but one of the greatest of all time? Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, I think one of the things I think about, I, yes, I use it and I really try to use it to be a great partner. So if I'm doing business with you, Danny, I'm always going to think what's important to you and how do we bring value to your company? I think too many times, you know, athletes or entertainers or even people in general in business, they're always thinking about what can you do for me? And I think that's a mistake. If you're a good partner, uh, if you uh, under promise and over deliver, I think the key is how do we do 10 deals together, not just one? Exactly. Um, so uh, this is a this is a good question. And it goes back to the the point you made a little while ago, we'll just dig into it a little bit. Uh, let's see. That's Nick Patetti. I hope I got that right, Nick. How do you balance the difference between narrow and deep and doing the small things to become big? Narrow and deep. And what was the second part? And, and doing the small things to become big. Yeah, I, I think I'm very much process driven, right? Not results driven. I, I think if you have the right team, if you have the right culture, if you have the right mission um, and you do a bunch of little things, uh, I think those things will become really big. But if you think about investing as you have 10 investments in your entire lifetime, you will look at investments completely different. Like you got to punch a little hole and, and you would be a lot more thoughtful and careful before you jump in. So that, that's, a, that's the thought process. All right. Here's an uh, interesting question. Uh, well, I think from, from, from our own. All right, Keith wants to know, uh, do you still keep in touch with Mike Fiore? I played Little League with him in New Jersey. He was amazing and played at U- University of Miami and the Olympics, but did not make the MLB. So do you know who that is? Yeah, I know Mike Fiore, great guy. He works uh, for Scott Boris. Uh, he's his number two. And Mike's a hurricane. He's a University of Miami legend and a good guy. And I see Mike at least two or three times a year with my times when I go down to the Dodger Stadium. Okay. Uh, nice shout out, Keith. He's, he's just over there. Uh, okay. Let's do one more and then we'll, we'll go get to your key takeaways. And this is, okay. Uh, this is Hussein Abdullah. Hussein, I hope I got that right. As a former high level athlete who has transitioned into the business space, what are some of the tips you can share, uh, as, uh, I look to emerge in entrepreneurship. So let's separate the you know world famous world class athlete for a second, and just some business tips for young entrepreneurs that are trying to to break into it. And and I'll tag on to that by saying there must be some of that Yankee championship ethos and ethic that has is also carrying you through your business today. So what what can we teach the young up and comers? 
First of all, the greatest boss I ever had was George Steinbrenner, uh, the late George Steinbrenner. Um, you know, he talked about team, 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 right? And uh, that was one of his main takeaways for me. Uh, I would say for a young person, I would think about from age 20 to 30, I would not think about salary or income. Uh, obviously, you want to pay your bills, but you want to learn uh, and work for a great mentor. Someone's going to teach you. Someone's going to sponsor you. Someone's going to actually bring you to the table. Uh, and, and you have to get inside the room. Uh, the other part I would tell young people is, you know, your networking is, is paramount, right? If you don't have breakfast, lunch, and dinner set up every day with someone you want to do business with, uh, or today's a Zoom, uh, you, you don't have, uh, you're not doing your job. So networking, I always say that network is your net worth. <laughs> Great advice. Um, let's go to your key takeaways. I think we have a slide here. Okay, take it away. Yeah, I would say number one, know what you know really well, but more importantly, know what you don't know. And, and too many people, um, you know, they want to be experts at 50 things. You know, for me, is the two Bs, baseball and business. And I've gone narrow and deep my entire career. Um, you know, when you pivot, uh, it's not forgetting, right? You should carry your skills just like I did from baseball, lessons learned from baseball pinstripes to the pinstripes in the boardroom. Um, and then really, uh, people, it's all about people. Uh, you have to surround yourself with the best people in the world, uh, people with character, with integrity, um, high skilled and diverse. And I do believe that you're an average of five people you surround yourself with most. Yeah. Plus one on that third point. Uh, I think hands down, I have the best team in the industry here and, you know, none, none of this is possible without them, uh, including an opportunity to, you know, talk to one of my heroes. So thank you for being with us, Alex. I will get in touch with your team about brand week next year. We're going to be in your backyard and I would be so gracious if you, uh, if you join us in person on our stage. Let's do it again. Thank you for listening to ad week presents part of the ad week podcast network and ACAST creator network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay up to date on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.